Well, hey everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I need to begin this episode with a little apology for you. Due to some technical difficulties, we're a little late getting our podcast out this week, uh, so we apologize for that, but we've got it coming to you today, and after today, we'll be right back on schedule next Tuesday like we always are. But today, we are continuing on in our sermon series called Moving Forward. And throughout the series, we're talking about what we need to do whenever we're facing transitions and periods of change in our lives to help us keep moving forward. And in this episode, we're we're specifically going to be thinking about how we know when we're in the right spot. So let's go ahead and get right into this episode sermon. As many of you know, I am a military kid. And as a military kid, I spent most of my childhood around Fort Knox here in Kentucky. Now, the history of Fort Knox can be traced back to 1861, when a fort called Fort Duffield was established in Meade County, Kentucky, during the Civil War. But Fort Knox, as we know, it didn't actually start until 1918. But even though Fort Knox's military base has been around for more than a century, there's really only one thing that most people know about Fort Knox. And the one thing that most people know about Fort Knox is that it's the home to the Bullion Depository, which is better known as the Gold Bowl. Now, ever since the James Bond movie Goldfinger came out back in 1964, we have all had this vision of what the inside of the gold ball looks like. We all imagine this vast, spacious interior that has these floating metal shelves that lead up to four different floors, and the walls of every one of these floors are surrounded by small vaults holding all of the shimmering gold, and the door that protects each one of these vaults is made out of shiny chrome holding it all in. But sadly, the real gold vaults nothing like the one that we see inside of the James Bond movie. According to Philip Dale, who is a retired director of the U.S. Mint, which oversees the gold vault, the gold vault is just that. It is a vault. Instead of having this huge, spacious interior, the entire interior of the gold vault is only about 4,000 square feet, which if you're here with us in person, is about double the size of the space we're sitting in right now. And instead of having stairs that connect to four different floors, the actual gold vault only has two floors. Instead of having the, lot, the walls of the entire vault lined with different small vaults, actually just one main vault inside of the gold vault. The vault is made out of steel plates that are encased inside of concrete, and they actually aren't even connected to the exterior walls and roof of the building for added security. And the door that protects the vault doesn't look like the door that you might have found on a jail cell in the Old West. The vault door is actually made out of 20 tons of solid steel that are blast-proof, drill-proof, and torch-proof. But even though the gold vault is just a vault, there are still plenty of legends that surround this building. And as a kid who grew up in the shadow of Fort Knox, I think I have heard just about all of the legends about this building. Now, most of the legends about the, the gold vault pertain to the contents of the gold vault, what they keep inside of it. And whenever I'm traveling and I meet somebody and they ask where I'm from and I tell them I'm from the Fort Knox area, they always ask the same question. You think there's gold in the vault? Which I always say, I don't know, they haven't let me in. But what I can tell you is that they have opened the doors to the gold vault at least a couple of times to allow the media in 
ages to prove that the gold vault contains actual gold. But I can tell you for a fact that over the years, the gold vault has actually played home to some of the most important documents in human history. During World War II, documents like the Declaration of Independence and the Magna Carta were kept in the gold vault to help keep them safe. And I can also tell you that at least as far as I know, the gold vault has never housed the Holy Grail or the alien spaceship from Roswell. But they wouldn't tell me anyway. But my personal favorite legends about the gold vault are the legends about people trying to break into the most famous vault in America. Like when I was a kid, I heard a story about a guy who once got into the sewer system underneath Fort Knox. And as he was crawling around in the sewer system underneath Fort Knox, he somehow found a manhole cover and popped up right in the middle of the main vault in the gold vault, only to find himself trapped inside. And because the door to the gold vault is made out of 20 tons of solid steel, nobody knew he was in there, and they didn't find him until months later, when there was nothing much left. But in spite of all of the legends about people trying to break into the gold vault, none of them are true. No one has ever broken into the gold vault, because no one has ever even tried to break into the gold vault. The closest anyone has come, at least as far as I have been able to figure out, happened decades ago, before they built a fence around the perimeter of the property. And decades ago, there was a soldier who was stationed at Fort Knox, a private, who had got himself a weekend pass, so he was leaving the military base, so he went out of the surrounding communities, and let's just say he had a good time while he wasn't on post. So when he comes back after his weekend pass is set to expire, he walks right up to the door of the gold vault and starts knocking on it. But he's not knocking on the gold vault thinking that one of the guards inside is going to open it up and let him take a souvenir block of gold with him. Now, like I said, he had a little too much fun when he was out on the town, and he was banging on the door to the gold vault because he thought it was his barracks, the place where he was living. So even when the guards of the gold vault detained him, he still thought he was where he was supposed to be, and all he wanted to do was go to bed. Well, it didn't take long before the military police showed up, and they escorted this poor soldier off of the gold vault's property. But even as he was being led away in handcuffs, he continued to insist that he was in his barracks, the place he was staying. He was exactly where he needed to be. Have you ever had a moment like that in your life? And no, I'm not asking you if you've ever tried to break into the gold vault or any other vault for that matter. What I'm wondering is if you ever had a moment in your life where you were convinced that you were in the right spot, only to find out that you really were supposed to be someplace else. Now, it could have happened to you when you were traveling and you went to the wrong gate or the wrong terminal inside of an airport. Or maybe it happened when you got off on the wrong stop on a subway system. Or maybe you were planning to meet up with a couple of your friends to have breakfast at McDonald's, only to show up at the wrong McDonald's. I mean, it's happened to us all. We've all thought we were in the right spot, only to realize that we weren't. It even happens to biblical characters. Five times inside the Bible, where different characters think they're exactly where they need to be, only to learn they really need to be someplace else. And that's the case for the person that we're going to be talking about from the Bible today. Today, we're going to be talking about Abraham. And who exactly is Abraham? Well, Abraham is the person that God makes his covenant with. God promises that he will make Abraham and his descendants into a great nation that will bless all the people and all the nations of the entire earth. 
it's because of this covenant, this promise that God makes to Abraham, that we consider Abraham to be the father of our faith. But today we're going to be looking at a part of Abraham's story that takes place long before he's known as the father of our faith. We're going to be taking a look at a part of Abraham's story that takes place before God makes a promise to make Abraham and his descendants into a great nation. We're going to be looking at a part of Abraham's story that takes place before God has even made his covenant with Abraham. So if you've got your Bible close by, let me encourage you to grab it and turn to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. And as you're finding it, let me tell you a little bit more about the book of Genesis. Now, the book of Genesis is the first book we find in the Bible. It's the beginning of the Bible, and that's why we call it Genesis. The word Genesis means beginning. And inside of this book, we're going to find all kinds of different stories about different beginnings. So you'll read about the beginning of creation, and you'll read about the beginning of our world, and you'll read about the beginning of us as human beings. You'll read about the beginning of sin. Today, we're going to be reading the beginning of Abraham's story with God. So with all that in mind, let's take a look at Genesis chapter 11 together. We'll start reading in verse 27. Here's what it says. It says, These are Terah's descendants. Terah became the father of Abraham, or Abram, who would become Abraham, before and Haran. Haran became the father of Lot. Haran died while with his father Terah in his native land in Ur of the Chaldeans. Abram and Nahor both married. Abram's wife was Zerah, and Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, father of both Milcah and Ishkah. Zerah was unable to have children. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, who was the son of Haran, and his son Abram's wife, Zerah, his daughter-in-law. They left Ur of the Chaldeans for the land of Canaan, and arriving at Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. Now, I know that the passage that we just read is far from the most fascinating passage that you're going to find inside the Bible, right? I mean, in those six verses that we just read, there are all sorts of different names that, if we're being honest, they just don't mean that much to us. But inside of the details, inside of these verses, there are a few details let us know where Abraham is at as our story begins. And I mean that literally. There are the names of three different places inside of those six verses that we just read that are important to Abraham's story. The three places that were mentioned in those six verses are Ur, Haran, and Canaan. But I know, just by hearing those three places, those three city things, they don't mean a whole lot to us. But what we have to remember is that when the first audience, people back in biblical times would have heard this story, when they heard the places of Ur and Haran and Canaan, those names would have meant something to them. You think about it this way. At the beginning of the sermon this morning, I mentioned Fort Knox. And just by mentioning Fort Knox, there were certain images that came to your mind. Now, most of us probably thought about the Gold Vault, or you may have thought about the James Bond movie. But there are other things that you might think of when you think of Fort Knox. You might think of tanks, because for a number of years, Fort Knox was the primary training facility for the entire United States Army's armored division. Or you may think about a relative that you had that was once stationed in Fort Knox. But there are these different images that come to your mind just by hearing the name of this particular place. Same thing would have happened in biblical times when people heard the names of Ur and Haran and Canaan. But what would have come to their minds when they heard 
the names of these places? Well, to help us figure that out, I brought along a map that we're going to put up on the screen for you to see right now. Now, as you're looking at this map, and if you remember anything that you learned in world history class about the ancient Near East, what you'll see on this map is you have the city of Ur. And Ur is down here at the southern end of the Euphrates River. And that's where Abraham's story begins. We also hear the name of a city called Haran. Haran is near the northern tip of the Tigris River. And this is where Abraham and his father moved to. These are important places. Now, again, if you think back to that world history class that you took when you were in high school, you might remember that there is a name that we have for this area, this, this region between the Tigris and the Euphrates River. What do we call it? We call it Mesopotamia. And the word Mesopotamia literally means in the midst of rivers. And this area is also sometimes referred to as the Cradle of Life. It is referred to as the Cradle of Life because this is where human civilization begins. As a matter of fact, the very first urban civilization in human history was located not too far from where Ur was on that map, and it was created about 2,000 years before Abraham was even born. And because of this, this area between the Tigris and Euphrates River, Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia becomes one of the most prized locations in the entire Eastern Hemisphere for just about every kingdom, every nation, every empire that's established there. As a matter of fact, both the Babylonian and the Assyrian empires create their capital cities in the middle of Mesopotamia. That's because it's a, a prominent area, it's an important place. People from all over the world are going to flock to Mesopotamia because of the prosperity in this region. And this is where Abraham's story begins. Abraham's story starts at the heart of civilization. It starts in a place where people from all over the world flock to starts in a place where nations and empires were born. But as we keep reading Abraham's story, we're going to see that that doesn't last very long. Because in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, we're going to see that Abraham gets told to go someplace else. So let's take a look at Genesis 12, verse 1 together. Here's what it says. Since the Lord said to Abram, leave your land, your family, and your father's household for the land I will show you. Did you hear what God tells Abraham in that one verse? In that one verse, God tells Abraham that he needs to leave Haran. He needs to leave Mesopotamia. He needs to leave the heart of civilization. He needs to leave this place that people flock to. He needs to leave this place where empires are born. And in Genesis verses two, chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, God's going to tell Abraham why. So here's what God says to Abraham in Genesis 12, verse 2. He says, I will make of you a great nation and will bless you. I will make your name respected and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and those who curse you I will curse. All the families of the earth will be blessed because of you. And when Abraham heard God say all of these things to him, I can't help but think that the only thought that was running through Abraham's mind was, but God, but God, if you're going to turn me into this great nation, I'm already in a place where nations and empires are born. But God, if you want my name to be respected by people all over the world, I'm already in a place where people from all over the world come to. But 
God, if you're going to allow me and my descendants to become this great nation that will bless all the nations of the earth, we're already in the heart of civilization. So God, why do I have to go? I'm already in the perfect place for all of these things to happen. But Abraham is about to learn. There's a difference between thinking you're in the right place and being in the right place. There's a difference between thinking you're in the right place and being in the right place. And in this story, God knows something that Abraham doesn't know. We're told in this passage that God is just sending Abraham, but he doesn't say where Abraham is going. Well, God is sending Abraham to that third place that we saw on the map a little bit earlier on, the area, region known as Canaan. And Canaan is going to be the crossroads of the continents. And what I mean by that is Canaan is going to become a place where anyone who is traveling from Europe down to Africa, they're going to have to go through Canaan. If someone wants to travel from Africa over to Asia, they're going to have to go through Canaan. If anybody wants to go from Asia to Europe, they're going to have to go through Canaan. So God knows that if Abraham will just listen to him, follow God, where God is sending Abraham, that the world will come to Abraham. And all of these things will happen because Abraham will be exactly where he needs that's an interesting story. And on top of that, not only have you heard a good story about how Abraham ended up in the area of Canaan, but you've also learned a little bit about ancient geography while you were here. So that's just a bonus for you today. You can impress all your friends later on. But what does all this have to do with us? What does the story of Abraham and being in the right place have to do with us? Well, in a lot of ways, we as a church here at Melbourne Heights find ourselves in a similar situation to the one that Abraham found himself in when he was living in Mesopotamia. In just a few weeks, our church is going to be moving forward. We're going to be moving into our new church home. And even though most of us are really, really excited about the possibility of being inside a new space where all of our ministry, everything we do as a church, will happen under one roof again, there's also a part of us, deep down inside, that's wondering if this is the right place for our church just like Abraham, had to wonder if where God was sending him was the right place to go. Now, I wish I could stand here today and tell you that beyond a shadow of a doubt that where we are headed when we move to 11,003 Bluegrass Parkway is exactly the place where we need to be. I wish that I could stand here and I could tell you that God is going to bless Melbourne Heights when we move into our new location the same way that God blessed Abraham and his descendants when they moved to Canaan. I really just don't know. But what I can tell you, what I do know, is that we'll never be in the right place if we aren't following God. We'll never be in the right place if we aren't following God. It was true for Abraham. Abraham never would have been in the right place. He never would have gone to Canaan the crossroads of the continent, the place where he and his descendants would become a great nation that God would use to bless all the nations of the earth, Abraham wasn't willing to follow God. And we will never be who God wants us to be 
will never be in the right place if we aren't willing to follow God. And I also know this. I can also tell you this. Our church has a long history of following God's call. It's the way that our church actually started. More than 70 years ago, there was a group of men and women who met together because God was calling them to start a new church in a growing area inside the city of Louisville, Kentucky, that needed a church to minister inside of that community. And here we are 70 years later, and we are still ministering to our community. Even when we had to face one of the most difficult decisions any church could face. Five years ago, when we had to make the decision to sell our building because we knew if we didn't, that there was no way we could continue to minister to our community. We knew there was no way for us to continue to be who God calls us to be and do what God calls us to do. We made that hard choice. We sold our building so we can keep ministering to our community, even though when we made that decision, we had no idea where we were going. Even though we had no idea what the road ahead held, we followed God. So we followed God now onto the campus of U of L, and soon we're going to follow God as we go to Bluegrass Parkway. We have a history of following God, doing whatever it is that God calls us to do so that we can keep ministering, we can keep serving, we can keep being the people that God calls us to be. But if we are going to continue to be the people that God calls us to be, if we're going to end up in the right place, if we're going to continue to do the ministry that God wants us to do, we also have to be willing to do what Abraham did in Genesis 12, verse 4. This is what that passage tells us. Just 12, 4 says, Abraham left just as the Lord told him. Abraham did exactly what God told him to do. He followed God's lead even when he didn't know where he would end up. Even though he was leaving behind the cradle of life, a great area, he trusted that God was going to where he needed to be. It's always time for our church to move forward into the next chapter in our story, in our history, together. And yeah, I wish that I could give you guarantees that everything is going to be as great for us when we make it over to Bluegrass Parkway as it ended up being for the people of Abraham when they made it to Canaan, which eventually became Israel. But I can't tell you. Instead, what I can tell you the only way that we can be the church that God wants us to be is if we are willing to follow God wherever it is that God leads. Let's pray together. God, you know that whenever we find ourselves facing times of transition and change in our lives, we always wonder if where we're going to end up is the right place for us. God, there's really no way for us to know before we go, if we're heading in the right direction, if we're going to the right place. These are things that we only figure out when we look back on these events. God, help us all to see that we're never going to be in the right place unless we're following your direction for our lives. We're never going to be where you want us to be if we're not committed to follow. So my God, so God, my prayer for our church today 
is that you help all of us commit to follow you in the direction we feel that you are leading us. It's direction where you can continue to use our church to reach out and minister to this community, sharing your hope, your peace, your joy, and your love with people who desperately need it. Give us the desire, the will. Give us what Abraham had inside of him that allowed him to commit to follow you, even when he wasn't sure where things would head. God, help us. Help us to be that committed. Help us to trust you that much. Allow us to follow you wherever you lead. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that this episode has shown you that you are never going to be in the right place, no matter what changes or transitions you go through, unless you're following God and God's plan for your life. And I got to tell you, God has a great plan for your life. You just have to trust him and follow wherever he leads. Well, in our next episode, we're going to be wrapping up the sermon series called Moving Forward. And we're going to be talking about one more thing that we need to remember to do whenever it is that we're facing times of transition and change in our life. So we hope that you'll come back and join us when our next episode drops. And like I said earlier in the podcast, that will be next Tuesday. Um, as always, if you subscribe to our podcast, it'll be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. But you don't have to wait till next Tuesday to join us for worship and hear our next sermon. We would love to have you come and join us online every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time on our church website at mhbclouisville.com slash live. Well, until next time, I hope that you have a great week. I will be praying for you, and we'll see you back here soon for another sermon podcast. <music>